Welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things at Sulphur Devils. On this show, I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Curtis Goddard, the CEO of Copheads RLFC. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Are you looking forward to talking all about the Copheads and your link up with Sulphur Devils? Absolutely, Rob. Thank you for having me on the show. Brilliant. So we'll start with your club. Tell us all about your club. Yeah. So we started a few years ago after I came back from Australia. I was fortunate enough several years ago to win a national championship with Boston and be seen through our USA versus Canada friendly, what we call the Colonial Cup at that time. I had 18 offers after I put my film up on the Sharma Rugby League. Kind of got into a bidding war and then ended up at the Canberra Cup competition. And then spent about it was about a season there and then did a North America or South America game where Aaron Zimrol, who's the Canadian national team head coach, selected the domestic guys and a lot of our heritage guys to play. It was a partnership through the Penrith Panthers and we played at St. Mary's ground there in Western Sydney. And fortunately enough, stood out and got an offer to, to trial with the Tweedhead Seagulls. Ended up training on there. There's like 120 guys in their camp and ended up getting signed. Unfortunately, Australia and their visa process and the, the front office of the Seagulls kind of mishandled the ball there, dropped it on the floor. And me and unfortunately another Fijian prop had our visa applications screwed up and we had to go home and the dream was over. But my dream, I think, continued because through that opportunity, that missed opportunity for my myself and my own kind of selfish view, it was an opportunity to grow the game. And so I started the Copperheads and with Rodriguez Caesar and Sterling Wynn, both were Toronto trialists. Also, Rodriguez played the same year I did in Australia in a different competition in, in Naruma. And, and we started the club. And then it's kind of been no looking back from there. Southwest Florida is a great market, you know, athletic market. Our whole goal was it to make millions of dollars because we don't have it and that's not possible. <laughs> but uh, our, our goal was to shine a light on Southwest Florida and help our guys be noticed and for them to start their rugby league journeys here and then utilize the connections that were kind of new pathways and things that we had as kind of as pioneers from the USA game with like Luke Sharma and several other folks in the, in the space to get out into that market and get our guys out and, and go achieve something. So that's kind of like the, the root or the foundation of the club. And we just had some lucky breaks facilities-wise every year, improving the facility. And then this last year, playing at the new, I think it was $45 million Paradise Coast Sports Complex with a video board and all this other stuff and really putting our game on the right platform. So we just keep growing and, and keep promoting our folks. It's kind of an our goal. How's the sort of competition set up in, in the league? Is it one big league or do you have multiple sort of leagues? like they do in the NFL. Yeah, so the USARL, when I played, was like, I believe it was like a 16-team comp, mm. and it was all pretty much East Coast and, you know, kind of convincing friends that you play rugby union with to start a club and be within driving distance of like a little group or a division yeah, so yeah. you could play within driving distance. And and the, the competition was, was growing before I went to Australia, but when I came back, it was just took a step back. And so where we are currently is we're now the Florida teams who've always performed pretty well and, and stayed at the top of the ladder and things. Jacksonville, Tampa have remained and were there also. 
COVID just absolutely hurt a lot of the North teams, some of that stuff. And so it's been now kind of rebuilding with the new IRL guidance and the governance model changing. We had a weird governance and political structure for the USARL. With them changing that, my hope is that people that join the fold, grow the comp again. One of the little pockets or areas that we have firmly online is Pacific Coast Rugby League. And so those guys were spun out of like the CRL and that's in the San Diego, LA area with other teams looking to join. I think the Utah team had recently put their hand up after doing a a tournament and the, the jackpot not getting paid out and stuff. So by the other entity. So yeah, so we're kind of, a bit of a mess on that side. And, um, but what's really cool is that we're able to focus on what we can control, right? Which is Copperheads, Florida Rugby League, and in uh, our partnership. So, our lucky breaks that we've been having in, as far as facilities are concerned. Yeah, fair. You did say that in your area, of, was it in Florida, that you reduced what, 80%, was it, of, of the N- NFL players? So it shows that you've got a massive market of players there to get into the game. That's right, yeah. A quick Google by any of your listeners, uh, trying to figure out where in the heck Southwest Florida is. It's Naples, Fort Myers area, which is, if you look at the state, kind of anything, if you split down the state in the middle, the bottom part of Lake Okeechobee, everything west that kind of covers Clewiston and Bell Glades and Immokalee and everything west, the the amount of NFL athletes that come from just our portion is what at one time was like 30 or 40% of the NFL athletes came out of it, but out of South Florida as a whole. So everything from the river south covering Miami and, and Palm Beach and those areas as well. At one time in the 90s, it was almost 80% of NFL athletes came from wow. South Florida being selected in the draft. We grow them big, we grow them strong, and, and our folks are fast. The The speed is, is real, the size is real, the strength is real. And what's really crazy is only 0.01% of college athletes even so much as get an opportunity to, to look in the draft. Uh, there's a lot of folks after their college journey has ended, come home with the end of their, their athletic road at the age of 23 and just a still a, bun, full, a bundle full of athletic potential and no kind of direction to reapply that. Arena football used to be popular in the state and has died down. They have their own kind of issues and organizational issues and finance issues and has grown and died. And it's kind of left those athletes with like, well, if I want to be active and as you know, be in my working career, what, what are my options? So it leads them back to our game. Mm. So obviously the name of the game really is to tap into that quality of player who, who have sort of, like you say, ended their NFL journey. And is, is the ways you can sort of tap into that? Have you sort of experienced that there is players out there who are willing to get involved in the transition? Yeah, absolutely. So the partnership, before and after the partnership, PAP, or however you want to say it, there's it's unreal what having an actual pathway, a realistic pathway, where if you're a pedigree college athlete who came back home to Southwest Florida and is looking for a job in that market, and saying, okay, what am I going to do with my athletic talent? And seeing where we've had media coverage now 
within our local news market, which our game of rugby has existed, I think, over 60 years in Southwest Florida, rugby in general, mm-hmm. uh, rugby only in the last five. And we've been able to, to garner that local media attention through ABC7 and NBC2 and because of the opportunity to do this. And the word is getting out. The last year was our first year. We made not only a jump in facility, but I came out of my own pocket to pay each player 50 bucks a game. And a very small investment has led to something from where we were 20 to 30 players kind of in that area the previous year before the partnership, after having over 40 players on our roster battling for positions with an increasing athletic skill set. And I think every year that this partnership continues, we're only going to find better and better players. And so it's, it's going to be a really awesome pipeline for us offered and for taking a chance on us, um, even though there's some restrictions with the Super League as it relates to import players. Obviously, we talk about sort of restrictions. I suppose you're hoping that if you know this partnership becomes a success and Super League see that and think, let's try and invest into the into American Rugby League and, and try and get more players in, involved, which will help both the domestic game, us as well, Super League Europe, and also the international game too. That's right. And what's really cool, if you want to say investment is concerned, it's it's obviously the partnership and the the opening of the doors. Mm. for them to come and join for 10 days like we have planned to train for a week over three sessions join the the friendly match against swinton it's this offered trust for welcoming in our player so they don't have that expense but he's paying for his own flights like mm. this is not a high cost thing and it helps the game grow here and also helps potentially find paul rally says a rough diamond and it makes a lot of sense. Yes, there could be some rules that if modified, if changed, like the 100,000 pound kind of salary rule for import player, we're, we're tier two or even viewed as a tier three country. These are Australians that you're loading up and it's different and it's helped growing the international game. And if they treat it a little bit differently, uh, when an injury bugs hit kind of halfway, three fourths of the way through the season, and it's not a, a financial, a massive financial impact to pull up a guy who's worked hard on the reserve grade and, and has stayed in, and worked there for a year. That could, the, the partnership could really grow then. But right now, even despite those obstacles, Salford has still made the commitment to work with us and, and to give our guys an experience that they'll never forget. They'll, ne- they'll never forget this. This was going to be probably one of the biggest moments in their lives. And gratefulness and appreciation I wish there were more words and better, more eloquent words for it. But that that's what you're going to get from guys that are coming from a, a more impoverished market within Southwest Florida, going to the UK and working hard to, to earn a spot with their athletic gifts. Yeah, Rio Sweet is coming over for, for a trial from yourselves to Salford. Can you tell us a bit about him? Yeah, so he's just been an amazing kid. He's well-mannered. He respects his mother, Victoria, who's been a big part of his support and his journey. So, Bickley is is unmatched. He's 18 years old. He's 6'2", 215 pounds. Is it, I think about 15 stones, if I did the, you know, if we did the conversion correctly. Yeah. NFL-wise, if you guys follow NFL times, that he, he runs about a 4'6", 40. So he can move for how big he is. And every single game, his attitude 
towards, you know, considering as, you know, the, the two factors that we look for, that we advertise that what we want in a copperhead is someone with work ethic and someone that's coachable. And so we think he definitely checks both of those boxes and to see his progression in his very first year rugby league, after being a, a highly touted rugby union star for his, in the under 18 group, he, he made the under 18 us Eagles on the rugby union side. He has a scholarship to Kazakhstan University, his commitment to rugby at a young age, and, and obviously his stature. We didn't send over a slouch, that's for sure. And so I, th- I think you guys are going to be really impressed by this young man. Yeah, on the podcast, we like to, to call Salford the Opportunity Club. And this is what this is. It's an opportunity for Real to, to come over and show us what he's got. And obviously, you know, whatever happens, he'll take this experience back with him and he'll become a better player for it. Absolutely. His mindset too, when I asked him about, why are you excited? He said, honestly, I just want to go over and train for a week and see what a professional facility and coaching experience is like. He had absolutely no expectations to even potentially play Swinton or any of that stuff. Like he's just excited to go learn. And at a young age, like 18, how many more times will he be our top, you know, one of our top players? How many more times could we send them back? How much development can we do within that time period? Who knows? And then how many other people he has the right attitude when it comes to this opportunity? Um, His expectations are low and he just wants to work hard. And I think those are the kind of folks that you want, you know, at at Salford, hard workers and people that understand that things are just given to you other than this opportunity. It's not, again, not a contract opportunity to just go there and give it a crack. And I think Paul's hitting the nail on the head as far as what kind of culture that he's building because culture and the, those little things, when the chips are down and the scoreline's not near advantage, those things are what show up late in games when it matters. And I think you saw that last year when you guys made it to the playoffs and made a big push. What other star players should be looking out for for, for the Copets? Yeah, that's what's really great about this partnership is we have this year, right? And unfortunately, I think we invite... And, ultimately invited our, our top 10% of our roster to go trade on and, you know, just professional lives with work and family obligations here. They several had to decline, but as we continue the partnership, we're going to specifically find more and more folks that not only are, are good or better than our current top 10%, but are just absolutely chomping at the bit to become a professional athlete. And I think you're going to see more and more folks pick their hand up out of the Southwest Florida community and play with us, start the rugby league journey here and for a spot. Our top players from this season, to specifically answer your question, one who actually made the U.S. national team for our friendly against Canada, Rashad. uh, Rashad, he was absolutely special. You won't believe it, but another inch and another 30 pounds on Reardon. Unfortunately, his reason, obviously, he has five children, so he's a committed father, wasn't able to take the opportunity from from that alone, but then recently learned that he had blood clots in his lungs that even with treated tr- treatment that he had, he had done previously wasn't, wasn't working the way he needed to and was hospitalized for several days and ultimately it's kind of led to his retirement, unfortunately, when he was really just standing out on the pitch. But yeah, Richard Shelton, to kind of name that pedigree, also a very fast athlete. And his father actually played 
in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So just great lines athletically and would have been another really awesome trialist, but unfortunately had to retire because of the blood clot issues. Um, Anthony would have been great as well to have. I think we originally announced him going over. He was our import from Coogee, Australia. He played halfback for us, but he's a fullback by trade. And he just had a work opportunity that he just he walk away from that he didn't want to lose to trying to continue to chase his dream kind of later in age. And so he would have been excellent. We also have our top of our players player voting. Our number one player this year was Wes Piggins. He's also on a rugby union scholarship over at Life University in Marietta, Georgia, and was head, hands down our, our top player. He chose to take that opportunity and, and continue with his club because his rugby union club, who was responsible for his schooling, absolutely did not let him continue this path with the Red Devils, which, you know, we understand to a point, given education and getting his degree was his priority. And then we also have um, Shane Spring. He was actually a rugby union South African import who made the switch and making that switch to rugby league. He couldn't believe that this game existed. He didn't know where it was his whole life. And he was one of our standout players. So and also kind of how his visa things would work and stuff like that wasn't able to take the opportunity to come over. And then Obviously, Rudin being our top player was the other one that was also considered for this opportunity, this go around, and obviously has taken that opportunity and is going to give it his best. So, um, yeah, that's kind of been some of our top players and players that we continue watching with our club and also the interest of our exciting players moving forward. We had someone join, didn't play all the games this season, but we also have an athlete that was an All-American linebacker in college. And so someone who had prepared for the draft and never got the opportunity, never got the call-up. And so we might see some things out of him. He's very keen for the opportunity, just a bit, still too, a little bit too raw. And uh, several other athletes that have kind of popped up since this partnership has come up. And so it's been very beneficial to our club to offer this pathway. So what's your ambitions as a club for 2023? Do you think you'll be competing for the championship? Yeah, so what's really great is since Pacific Rugby League has come online, we're still holding out hope for the North uh, to join the USARL under the, the IRL's governance reform. But we definitely have an opportunity to have our Florida Rugby League competition play Southern California and San Diego there, LA and San Diego, the, the winner of that competition playing the winner of our competition for the national championship. And I don't see why there's any reason with this partnership as it evolves to continue to help us climb the ladder. And kind of interesting is in, in our competition is the Jacksonville Axemen. I think they're like the, one of the most winningest amateur clubs, like, in history or something like right up there with the all blacks and stuff. And several news outlets have have covered the amount of games that they've won. And I was really impressed with the guys, our last game of the year, starting the club and getting, you know, 80 and 90 milled down to, I think it was like a 16 point margin or something like that. That last game of the year at home just shows how much our guys have improved and how much this partnership means to our club 
in our ability to recruit athletes. It's just, it's been really awesome. Off the field, how active are you in the, in the community that people of Florida got, got behind you? Yeah, absolutely. We haven't got the gain, the media attention and things that we believe the sport deserves as, as our ranks have grown on that side. And when we started this rugby league organization where we have uh, athletes that can play for the U.S. and now have athletes that can go on to Salford, we've really captured the community support just through people knowing that we exist and being in our community. And we've developed great partnerships with a lot of nonprofit entities. That's really helped us kind of gain a, a footing and attract a foothold in our community. And we've worked with a charitable organization standpoint. We've worked with the Chamber of Commerce's youth development program in business. We've worked with Habitat for Humanity. We've worked with several nonprofits in in our community and that has really helped us i think in just being a community driven club and being seen and doing collaborations with those folks as well so hopefully that answered your question yeah at Salford, we've got a ladies team a learned disabilities team physical disabilities team and also wheelchair team this year is that something you've got there or is that something you'd be looking to do in the future yeah so we actually have always had a ladies page up and with starting anything, you need a couple folks that are willing to do a little bit more than playing, right? And for whatever reason, we haven't had that that initial lady or someone in the, the, the disabled space come over and work the the events and the social areas that you know you would find those players. But we've always had a website. We've always encouraged uh, folks to reach out to us if they're interested. And, and it's kind of very chicken or the egg when we, when we first start. And so, but we would definitely like to, would all be great. It's just, I think, finding that key person that, that would like to, like to do it. And, and then obviously any partnership that we could have on those sides as well was offered would be amazing. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answered your question. Yeah. I suppose it's like short term, medium term and long term sort of ambitions that you've got. And obviously you to grow the you know to grow the club the sport needs to grow as well in america we, we talked previously off air about sort of the teams that have sort of disappeared do, do you think are you hoping that they might return one day and, and the sport will grow even bigger yeah absolutely and i think that if more teams had a similar partnership like we do with the red devils it creates a realistic performance pathway to an opportunity to trial. And that helps us go from, you know, a, a Saturday beer drinking kind of social sport with that could, could sometimes carry a bad reputation with people who run parks departments and school boards and stuff like that to, to actually elevate ourselves as a proper sport. And, and I think if we were committed to growing the game and, and had these pathways, which again, aren't costing anybody anything other than some time, you know, across all these teams. And they all had kind of their super league sponsor, if you will, these pathways. Like, I, I really think that we could have something really special going on in the U.S. and, and kind of build something proper. Yeah. 
So you talk about sort of growing the game, and it sounds like the facilities you got down there are great. And you're talking about the the sort of the pre-match entertainment in the, the tailgate in the car park and and all that, which is what the, you do in the NFL. You know, it, it's something that it's a way of watching the game differently. I think, and obviously being involved in the game, and hopefully getting the players into the system. And you're thinking sort of ten years time for our goal as well. You could be the real deal. Yeah, that's it, is committing ourselves to this growth and just staying on track and help people understand that there is something on offer, not just to begin the rugby league journey here with, with the Copperheads, but that this journey could turn into something special if they're special. And, and that ultimate incentive carries the weight to, to find the athletes that we want to find and grow the sport the way we want to grow the sport. And so that's why I'll always be forever grateful for this opportunity. Yeah. Internationally, how is the is the, the USA doing? I know, is it the USA Hawks or the, or the national team? I know it's coached by ex-self player Sean Ruggertson. Fantastic player for us when he played for us in the, I think it was the late 2000s. How was it going internationally over there? Yeah. So we haven't done so well from a US perspective. Uh, obviously being resource constrained, with the resource constraints and essentially inability to fund the team and to bring over all of our heritage players that we possibly could where so money isn't an issue, but unfortunately it is. And so it's, that's been an uphill battle and all that. And I don't envy him or, or his position whatsoever because of a lot of the constraints that he's working with. But I, and then also there hasn't been organization from the USARL on pathways that, that you know, worked for myself and Rodriguez and Sterling and, and several others that, that we've established and are kind of even known throughout the competition. It, it's, been, it's been pretty interesting kind of in that, that microcosm of the U.S. national team. And that's also what's been great about the, this partnership is there's not a specific pathway through that kind of political entity that it, like has been especially pre-governance change because of how we were structured. And so being able to control what I can control and what software can control and not have to rely on something that is, was kind of broken and didn't make sense, you know, is, has been a real godsend. Mm. It sounds like the national game is a bit in transition at the moment. And obviously with the World Cup coming up in France, do we have any kind of thoughts about that? Do you think we could, could possibly qualify if all the stars align? Yeah, I mean, so if the best player played, which hasn't been the case in previous World Cups, we had specifically like it was a brainchild idea to have a certain amount of domestic players on the roster, which just haven't played to the standard that I got to experience in Australia, mm. whether it was the Canberra Cup or the, the Queensland Cup levels. Like, And to bring those athletes over, granted good athletes, and they may have made a commitment to the USARL, but just haven't made a commitment to the higher level game and to walk away from their job like I did mid-white collar career to really pursue this game and and to and to be better at it and then to be forced into a situation where you're playing guys that play super league and nrl it just being a complete mismatch and, and then having so many guys on that roster where 
you need to rely on them in order to compete. It just hasn't had that, that, that structure and that those requirements by our own national governing body and things just hasn't worked out for those big stage games. So I, mm. I think that's why, you know, you haven't seen us and why, and, and obviously is a reason why we didn't qualify in the last qualifiers. And it's a big reason why ha- had left unfixed, there would be a really good chance that you wouldn't see us again, but I, I'm confident in the IRL's governance change. I believe that we can find some of these North teams get back in the right track. And if we make a commitment to having a scouting program, actually having player profiles and multiple folks rating them and it not being kind of a a lot of politics that, you know, forcing coaches to play and all that stuff and the best player plays, I I think we could, we could achieve a lot of really special things to see Mutalano, you know, for New Zealand scoring on the edge in his natural position at wing, instead of having to play half for America and like being able to pull a lot of these folks, I think even Salford has a uh, a U.S. player on on the roster today. Was is a Duffy, I believe, and uh, yeah, and to be able to bring those folks back together and to not have any restrictions or kind of baloney, you know, if we can cut through that, I think it could be really special what we do. But there's a lot of uh, ifs between now and qualifiers and what we've always desperately needed at the national team level is friendlies and i know friendlies cost money and i know money's been a restriction but we have to make a commitment to that to develop our domestic players send them overseas and then when qualifiers and world cup come around best person plays but until we do that it's going to be tough for us so but I'm, i'm hopeful with the governance change yeah, and that's that's all you can do. You can you can hope that you know the everyone moves in the right direction forward together, and then that'll sort of grow the sport. And then obviously with what you're doing at the, the Copheads, obviously other clubs will be doing hopefully similar things in the future, and the competition grows and gets stronger together. And then maybe three five years down the line, you might be able to sort of produce a better quality a player to be able to compete at the international stage. That's right. Uh, and I think that's what's great about what we've done here is, again, you know, with minimal investment, have created pathways, um, you know, put the carrot at the at the top of the pyramid, if you will. And it's something that can be repeated. And, and if, especially if the Super League at all commits to defining what a tier two nation is or a group of countries that we're looking to develop that, for instance, wouldn't need a hundred thousand pound import player rule could create even stronger, more realistic opportunities and help grow the international community. For me, there's no joy in having tier two clubs get 80, 80 pointed in a, in a world cup and, and that really only having three or four competitive, you know, highly competitive teams, you know, that, that are gunning for those, the, those top spots and not seeing a great game until the last couple rounds of the tournament, we all decide that we want a stronger global game and we're willing to make those investments being just simple, some simple rule changes and some, some partnerships where time is the the only thing I I think we could, I think we could change this game. And I think what we're doing here, we're going to, we're going to provide the model on a way to do it with until obviously 
you're like any good Disney story, the billionaire or whoever comes in and actually makes things happen. But I think there's a way and I don't think we need to just wait for someone to come in and, and specifically invest because we, we just need to keep working and keep grinding with, with what we can sh- and control, what we can control, which we can, and we can't be disheartened because that, that billionaire hasn't swept in and swept us off our feet. We just got to keep our nose to the grind. So. Yeah. Let's bring it back to, to Salford and the Copperheads. How did the uh, Salford link up happen? Yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with Paul's kind of background, but he led the Toronto Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. He led a, a major kind of thing with the last tackle program and going around North America to find athletes and to kind of, you know, promote the club, but ultimately finding a couple of rough diamonds that popped up in the process and ended up, for instance, Ryan Burroughs making kind of a little name for himself while he was over there playing a bit of championship with the Raiders. And, um, and so that, that connection was strong connection with Sean was strong. And I don't know if you know, but he has family and family friends that live in Sarasota, Florida. And he comes back every winter to the Sarasota area, which is just north of Fort Myers and Venice. And so that, that connection was already kind of there. And he reached out through Sean, wasn't sure about what direction he was going to have pre-Salford job. And we, and it was looking to potentially do some coaching opportunities whenever he comes over here. And one thing led to another and we just, we hit it off. He's a great guy. And we just continue to message and continue to, to think. And he, it's, it's in his mind, it's a passion of his because he knows and he has seen with the last tackle program and going around and stirring up some raw athletes, like what exists here and was keen to, to then donate some of his time to, to create this and, and work with me. And we've really kind of started to develop something. I think that's going to prove to be pretty special. Yeah. It must excite you as, as a, as a club and as a CEO that, that Paul's sort of come over and, and sort of invested in, in yourselves, obviously to, to see the talent and everybody go to that next level. He's doing fantastic for us playing Rowley ball. We like to call it, you know, the way, the way he likes to, to move the ball around in a structured way. But yeah, I think he's doing a great job and I'm sure he'll, he'll continue to help you in every way he can. Yeah, absolutely. And there's going to be interesting opportunities that come up, you know, moving forward and just even his connections back to the UK. One thing that we can do is we can put up three imports, which is our, our, our USARL import limit here for our Copperheads team. And so there's no reason why folks in the community want to get back on Salford's radar, want to get back in the building and want an opportunity or a trial and would love to put their hand up and, and, and come play for us for three months in the summer. We're looking at that as a, as a potential next thing to talk about and potentially work on and so we can instead of our imports just specifically coming from australia like all of our imports have so far that could be a major help as well to us and then also give those guys a run here in the u.s a chance to show like you know how they could stand out in a competition like ours and that they have big play making abilities to be that big fish in in a small pond over here yeah, that could be another real special opportunity coming up. Yeah, because obviously it helps players develop both ways, doesn't it? And obviously, you know, that that's what 
players need. They need game time. And obviously, there's only 17 spots available in a first team. But if you've got opportunity to go and play first team in, in other sort of countries or, or other teams to help your development, that's something you should be snapping someone's hand off for, shouldn't it, really? We have a beautiful story that literally came from a UK player coming over just for our nines tournament in May. His name's Joe Abson. He was on the U18s England Rugby League radar at, at, at that time. COVID hit. Uh, they suspended the, the activities for his age group and all that. And, and then he started missing age grade opportunities that, that would have been right in front of him and kind of felt passed up. He was playing for his local amateur rugby league team. And uh, he said, you know what, I'm going to come over and I'm going to play at least play in the nines because of his, his personal life, personal schedule. So he came, he played on our B team, ended up winning nines MVP, put together some brilliant film, showed himself as how he could handle the standard was a little lower, but our athletes standard is high. And to show that he could stand up there and, and shine with his bit of ability in our pool and got a write-up in his hometown paper. And then Castleford Tigers called and then brought him up to the their reserve grade for the Castleford Tigers. Yeah, and, and it was just, it, those opportunities exist here. And there's a lot of great players when come into our market. There's a lot of interest around the U.S. and the U.S. market. And they get a little bit of press and then they get in a shot. I believe he's still on that team and he's continued to play really well. And so we want more Joe absence here as well, because that also helps us develop our standard of game. If we had these partnerships and then our partnerships led to also three players from our partnership coming over here and, lead, and leading our side around the park and the, on the practice pitch, enjoying three months in Florida or wherever they decide to go, whoever these, these partnerships develop with, and then they come back and then if they hold up and, they can take the abuse from our very, there's a lot of very large people in our competition and they can take the abuse and show us how to play some footy and, and grow the game and, and everybody's mind around them. There's going to be then reciprocal opportunities for those folks that do that, like a Joe Absent. I see a lot more happening as we continue to work together. That's for sure. Yeah, finally. Lots of raw talent in, in America. Lots of opportunities to come. Where do you see yourselves in five years' time? And can you see an American player playing for Salford or in Super League in that time? Yeah, in five years, absolutely. And that's stronger that, that partnership grows. The more clubs that link up with other clubs here, developing similar partnerships, raising the standard, sharing, bringing imports here, the three imports for us. But sending folks over for for trialing opportunities, letting folks know this is this is real and uh, and can materialize them see it firsthand. That's going to grow word of mouth and and media attention like crazy. And I, I don't see, I don't see why not. You know, the only thing that could potentially stand in any way is again, you know, kind of that hundred thousand pound limit, and mm. that'd be the only kind of potential hamper. But if everybody in the UK says we're going to take a club in the US under our wing, we're going to want to, you know, pull the talent out of those markets. And uh, I think the sky's the limit. And I don't really, other than the time, we're, we're kind of proving that it's it's not really going to cost a lot to do. 
So, you know, if things go a certain direction, it can be really special. But my passion for the game is never going to die. And what we do and what I can control is, is, is what I can control. And, and I think that's going to lead to at least our Copperhead success. Curtis, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, big thanks for, for coming on the, the Devil Detail podcast and telling us all about the Copperheads. Uh, obviously, is it is it pre-season at the moment, ready for the uh, the big kickoff? Yeah, so our timeline, we have the AGM coming up in January, January 29th. We'll get together and hopefully we can bring some more clubs back into the fold under the new IRL governance guidelines. Then around the start of April, we begin our off-season conditioning and then we expect the nines to be anywhere from the first weekend in May to the third weekend in May. And then our 13 season starts in June and then runs through the end of July. And then our postseason will be in August. And then at the end of that, we're going to have a international club challenge. Last year, the Kuji Wombats, which is like kind of like their fourth division in Sydney, Australia, flew over to play us so we could kind of benchmark ourselves. We ended up losing that one 38-22. And it'll be really interesting to see which club, maybe there's an amateur club in the UK or, or something that wants to come over early September and, and play us at our beautiful you know, stadium. And, uh, and then that will kind of end our season. That's kind of how it lays out. Sure. And it will be like, Stampede, Curtis, to, to get involved in that, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, if you if you guys go to our YouTube, uh, you'll see the 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 Kuji Wombat film that went up there. You kind of like, you'll see that, what we put together and what, what the standard was. And uh, yeah, I, I really hope that there's a lot of teams that are interested to coming to, to Southwest Florida. And what's really special about their trip is because we're only two hours away from Miami, they actually got to go over and see a Miami Dolphins game as a team following our game. And they got to experience kind of the nightlife of South Beach and all that stuff. And after speaking to the organizers, they're just, they're just really excited about that opportunity. Then they loved it. And they actually, they're looking to figure out how they can fundraise yet again. And Obviously, it's a pretty costly trip coming all the way from Australia, but mm. coming again and mm. playing us at our at our beautiful stadium. Brilliant! Big thanks for joining us, uh, Curtis. Good luck for the upcoming season. Hope everything goes well, and we'll uh, we'll speak to you again in the future and see how you're going. Thanks, Robert. Okay, so big thanks for joining us, Curtis. Good luck rest of the season. Big thanks for listening. I've been Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Radio Contact, Spotify and YouTube. See you soon.